Welcome to Girlfriends in Business. I'm Ali Webb, founder of Drybar. I'm Lori Harder, founder of Light Pink. And I'm Brittany Driscoll, founder of Squeeze. We're here to help you achieve your wildest dreams and get your big idea out into the world. Let's talk about what it actually looks like to be a woman in business while managing your life and all your complicated relationships. We're going to celebrate your success and be the shoulder you can ugly cry on when shit goes sideways, because it will. This podcast is here to remind you to start before you're ready, that everyone is figuring it out as they go, and that it's okay to ask for some help along the way. And that's where we come in. We're letting you in on the conversations we wish we had so that you know your struggles are not only normal, but a crucial part of the process. We've been exactly where you are, so we get it. We're gonna pick you up and remind you that there is always a way through. Let's go, girlfriend. Hey, girlfriends, this is Britt coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, where I lived the first 35 years of my life, including attending college and kickstarting my career, but recently moved here to establish my massage company's headquarters and build out our corporate team as we look to scale nationally through franchising. Shameless plug, if owning your own wellness business sounds intriguing, head to squeezemassage.com slash franchising to learn more. And if you live in LA, please do yourself a favor and visit our flagship location on Ventura Boulevard in Studio City. But back to Nashville and my new adventure, I am just constantly so invigorated by this place, which immediately felt like home. I describe it as having a big city feel without having lost that small town charm. There's just always something fun happening and so many kind, amazing people. I am loving exploring all of the little neighborhoods and hidden gems, including finding this free podcast studio that I record from in the Russell Hotel in East Nashville. More on my new city discoveries later, but for now, Welcome to my first ever podcast interview where I am the host. Going into this, I was definitely filled with the typical first time feelings, being equal parts nervous and excited. So thanks in advance for showing me some grace as I navigated through it. But oh man, am I excited for y'all to soak up all of the amazing nuggets from this conversation. It was chock full of actionable wellness advice, learnings on building a self-sustaining business, the pandemic's impact on 2021's outlook, We even touch on today's dating landscape for all of you single ladies. You know, the real kind of girl talk we all crave. So without further ado, hope you enjoy and be sure to let me know. All right, I could not be more honored and thrilled to introduce my very first guest, who I am a huge personal fangirl of and follow on Instagram religiously, as well as listen to her inspiring podcast, Hurdle. Meet the eternal optimist, ever so charming and total badass, Miss Emily Abadi. Hi, Em. Welcome. Hello, hello. What's going on? So happy to have you. You were literally the first person that came to mind as my dream guest. So the fact that you responded to my email request within like 60 seconds and said, no brainer, easiest yes ever was just like such a pinch me moment. So I'm very grateful to have you here. Oh, you. uh, (laughs) I feel like it's like also a good reminder for everyone listening that you don't really get what you don't ask for. So, you know, the worst you obviously could have said to me was no, but you didn't. So, so here we are. Here we are. As I mentioned, Emily is the host of Hurdle, her podcast that features top CEOs, 
leaders, and inspiring human stories on getting through a tough time by integrating wellness into their routines. Something that was inspired by her own hurdle moment, which we'll get to in a minute. I had the incredible fortune of being a guest on Hurdle a few years back, which kicked off, if I'm being honest, my total girl crush on her. Emily is a freelance content creator and writer, having written for publications including Glamour, Health, The Wall Street Journal, Fitness, GQ, BuzzFeed, the list goes on and on. She was most recently the fitness editor at Self Magazine, which she absolutely owned as not only a certified personal trainer, but seven-time marathoner and triathlete. If that sounds impressive to you, please also note she once ran two marathons on two different continents within six days. So yes, she is in fact superhuman and yet somehow one of the most approachable people in the wellness space. She has also inspired everyday runners on how to tie their shoes in epic fashion. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm just going to leave that carrot dangling out there for you to go figure out for yourself. It's worth the quest and may just inspire you to lace up. Okay, so I feel like we have so much to catch up on. I want to talk about your experience living in New York City throughout the pandemic, to the dating landscape, to how business is going, and your latest obsessions, because I feel like you are always ahead of the curve when it comes to wellness products and experiences. But before we get into all of that, I want to lay the groundwork for our fellow girlfriends listening on your story and what has led you to where you are today. I am a huge believer that our mindset is our superpower and we can only be as successful in achieving the life we want as our mind will allow us to be based on how we nourish and shape it, which is why I think your story is so empowering and applicable to women everywhere, whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or kicking ass climbing the corporate ladder or raising the next generation of awesome humans. I want to caveat, I know we both celebrate the body positivity movement and each person's individual journey to feeling their best. So in no way are we saying there is an approach to one size fits all formula to being the healthiest version of you. But I also know so many women will relate to and be inspired by your story. So let's talk about your journey and having lost over 70 pounds in college from a starting weight of 204 pounds at the height of around 5'3"-ish managing your relationship with food, learning to love running and really becoming the best version of, of yourself. You know, tell us what led you to that moment of wanting something to change, what the transformation experience was like and how it really kickstarted you in being able to go after and accomplish the dreams and goals you have for your life. So you can just start hyping me for every <laughs> meeting I ever walk into <laughs> Ever. Yes. What an introduction. Uh, Thank I you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I am. Um, I'm honored to be here. I'm so excited to chat with y'all today. I feel like it's more appropriate for me to use the word y'all when I talk to you because of your location. I have no ties to the South whatsoever. It's just become something that's a part of my regular vernacular for some reason. I know it's kind but... of like a fun. It's funny. I'm from Los Angeles, but I've totally picked it up as well. And I feel like it's like, it's, it's better than you guys. Oh, you oh know, yeah. So I feel like it's a good, it's a good little <laughs> saying. More inclusive. So yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I have definitely had uh, an interesting journey with with my body and with uh, learning what wellness looks like for me and and how to kind of evolve and 
with myself as a woman. Uh, I grew up in a really wonderful household in Connecticut, uh, an Italian household, I might add. Food was constantly at the forefront at everything that we did. I, you know, grew up on going Sunday nights to my grandmother's for for sauce and and just all the stuff that you would expect coming from that that background, you know, pancakes on Saturdays bagels during the week, like everything. And it was delightful and wonderful. And I grew up in a very loving home. But for me, as time went on and and I got older, I just came to understand that I didn't really feel comfortable in my body, especially as a teenager, as I got to college, uh, I would constantly, uh, as it's popularly called weight cycle. And I would go up 20 pounds and down 20 pounds and up 20 pounds and down 20 pounds until one point toward my freshman year of college, I probably went up about 40 or 50 pounds. And so it was spring of that year. And I remember again, just being really unhappy and really uncomfortable in my body. I didn't feel confident with how I was presenting myself. And as you mentioned, I do truly, truly understand and respect that there can be health at every size. But for me, uh, I wasn't healthy or happy uh, at that size. And so I was in my freshman dorm room one night when I decided to finally get on a scale, saw that number uh, down there over 200 pounds. And in that moment, knew that I needed to make a change and that I didn't want to be unhappy anymore. Uh, And so me getting to a place where I felt more comfortable in my body uh, involved a lot of different things. It involved me learning how to eat better. It involved me learning, you know, boundaries with portion control. And never at any point whatsoever did I completely eliminate anything from my diet. In fact, I remember, you know, something that I would look forward to during my journey was on Saturdays, I would always go and get a glazed donut from Dunkin' Donuts. And it was just a part of my routine. Uh, But it was a part of my routine that worked for me. And I was able to, you know, incorporate other healthy habits that just made me feel good, like eating more vegetables, drinking more water. um, And again, using, you know, exercising portion control and just finding out the Goldilocks puzzle that worked for me. And then the second half of, of this journey for me was developing a better relationship with exercise. I never viewed exercise as something that was enjoyable, uh, you know, as I got older, especially in the early phases of college. Uh, I was an athlete when I was younger, but when the weight came on, it just didn't feel comfortable for me. And so I really had to kind of figure out what felt right for me and my body at first, you know, it was all about, uh, incorporating movement and shorter stints and things that I could look forward to, but didn't dread. And then with time, I learned to love running, which was something that Emily back in 2008, 2009 could have never even imagined, but (laughs) I was working at a summer camp and didn't have access to like a big box gym and knew that running would be really one of the only forms of exercise that I could do without any, uh, you know, extra tools or extra stuff around. So I started and it wasn't anything heroic. You know, I started and every single day I went out and ran a half mile, a half mile. That was it. But you know what? It was something. And I think that is really important to point out is that for so many people, starting is just so intimidating that they're scared and they don't do it. But oftentimes we are the only thing that is holding ourselves back. And so it is up to us to kind of step outside of that comfort zone, especially when it comes to taking your own health and wellness into your own hands. 
I feel like there's so many things that you said there that are such good nuggets for anyone who's on a wellness journey and wanting to improve their, their physical health. One, I think what's really, um, you know, great and, and smart about the way you went about it was it sounds like you really started with the nutrition side and focused on what you were putting into your body before before really focusing on the exercise piece, which I think a lot of people end up getting, you know, swapping them in terms of focusing first on, on exercise and and nutrition is obviously, you know, 80 or 90% of really, you know, how we feel and certainly then how we look. And also what I really um, love about, you know, again, what your experience was, was the idea of not taking anything away at first. Kelly Levesque, who I'm a huge fan of, you know, really talks about that. I was like, don't, don't deprive yourself first, just start to add the good stuff. And as you start to do that, you know, you'll, you'll crave it more. You will start to kind of like rotate things out, but don't deprive yourself. Cause I feel like, I mean, I've always, we, I feel like as women, like we just struggle, right? I mean, it's like by our bodies, no matter how good we feel like someone else looks or whatever, like it's our own personal thing. And, you know, I've like yo-yo dieted and gone up and down as well. And I feel like, you know, really it's like finding the right balance first and not, and not depriving yourself to the point where you're like, I want to go to eat 17 donuts on a Saturday Saturday type of thing. And, you know, giving yourself the chance to indulge in a, in a balanced way. For sure. And I mean, you touched on it. You hit the nail right on the head there. That idea of deprivation, research and studies show that as soon as we completely try to quote unquote eliminate something, we obviously, um, you know, we want it more. Our bodies want it more. So rather than putting yourself through that cycle and, and making it so difficult to do something like completely cut out sugar or completely, you know, cut out wine or completely cut out cheese. Like ask yourself, like, can I integrate this into my diet in a way that makes me feel good? And also really important here to address that we need to focus regardless of where we are in our personal health journeys on nourishing our body. And that can look very different depending on the day. Sometimes nourishing your body for me, nourishing my body, starting every day by shaking up a bottle of athletic greens, getting in the antioxidant equivalent of 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. But then maybe at night I'm going to turn on the bachelor and I'm going to nourish my body by drinking a glass of wine and having a few squares of cheese while I sit there and watch the beautifulness. So, you know, to each their own. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so when you were just starting this journey, how did you, like, did you ask someone for help? Did you just look at resources? Did you know in your gut, like what, what really helped you navigate your path? To be honest with you, I look back on that journey and I feel really proud of me that I felt like I took a lot of really smart, small steps that helped me get to where I wanted to be. And the only help, so to speak, that I had at this time was I would go and weigh in every Saturday at a Weight Watchers now known as WW Center. Now, admittedly, and I've said this before on my show over on Hurdle, that I wasn't really following the WW Weight Watchers plan. The accountability though of the plan, the accountability to show up somewhere and get on a scale when I knew my why, I knew why I wanted to lose weight, I knew my purpose, 
that really helped me stay the course. I also now a huge part of why I do what I do is because my goal uh, with Hurdle and the, the content that I'm putting out there is to help other people understand that they don't need to be so alone. When I was going through my personal weight loss journey. And I also want to highlight that this is like an everlasting journey. So just because, you know, the weight loss component is um, a bulk of it anyway, you know, is finished. And that was a chapter in my story. The story is completely continually being written. But I think that, you know, it's just so important that I want other people to feel less alone and I want to give them the resources. Because again, when I was back in college, for so many different aspects of my life, I wasn't exposed to women that looked like me. You know, I would walk into an American Eagle and look to buy the biggest size that they sold at the time. And let me tell you, the women that were on their advertisements at the front of the store at the time, now things are very different with that brand, but they didn't look like me. Uh, And I felt really uncomfortable in my own body because I was made to feel like my body wasn't good enough. And you know, no matter what size you are, you have value. Your size doesn't determine your value. And so that is why I am so passionate these days about trying to put out resources and helpful materials for, for women of all sizes so that they don't have to feel as alone as I did back in college when I was going through this huge, huge chapter in my story. I love that. I feel like accountability is so important. Um, you know, if you're making, if you're trying to make any big change and then, yeah, the idea that we're not alone and we're here to champion each other. And, and I love, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I love you is I'm so inspired by what you're doing every single day. You motivate me to keep going too. So I feel like that's, um, you know, that's such a great, you know, a great thing for everyone to remember. I feel like because you are a personal trainer and running coach, I can't not ask, you know, what are some additional foundational things that women can start doing if they're looking to get into better shape or like reputable resources? You mentioned you're creating some, you know, to research nutrition or training programs. And then, you know, for those who are well on their way, like you, like how can they continue to challenge themselves? Yeah. I mean, two very good questions. First and foremost, resources, where can we look to, to, you know, get inspired? First and foremost, we are all different. We all have a body. So I would highly encourage you if you are looking to undergo any sort of, you know, big change or small change, it's always really valuable for you to talk to someone one-on-one. I know these days it's a little, or it can feel a little bit of little bit like a hurdle because of the digital space that we're in with everything else going on with the pandemic. But that doesn't mean that there aren't tons of different inspiring experts out there that are ready and willing to help consult you on your goals. So definitely start in a place that you're probably already in. And that is on Instagram. There (laughs) is so much content on Instagram. Of course, we have to be mindful of who may have relevant certifications and who may not. But look to find someone that is a certified smart expert in their field. If you want to mix up your own training routine, look to find qualified trainers with certifications. I'm talking everything from a NASM certification to a certified strength and conditioning coach. Oftentimes you will see letters in their bio. When you 
reach out to these individuals, whether they are, you know, female or male or what have you, when you reach out to them, ask them upfront, what are your certifications? What are you trained in? And if you yourself have a certain um, interest area that you want to focus on, say you want to train with kettlebells, say you want to work on your running, say you want to, you know, get into strength training, look for experts that focus in these areas, because trust me, there are so, so, so many of them out there. And then if you're someone who really already has a super steady fitness routine. If you're someone that really wants to take your training to the next level, again, reaching out to someone, um, and getting their advice on the plan that you may or may not be following just yet could be really beneficial. And then also, you know, varying your routine can have a lot of benefits. Not only does mixing things up, stave off boredom, but it can also, you know, keep you in the mix and keep you going when times just feel like, Oh, I feel like I'm such in a rut. I don't know what I'm doing. So if you're someone who's used to running, trying something like dance cardio, doing the class with Taryn Toomey on your, on your TV, taking a Peloton hit camp, doing some strength training, swinging kettlebells. I know a great woman that teaches kettlebells near the name of Lacey Lazoff. So like, there's just so many options out there these days, but again, make sure that you're vetting your experts. And if you are going to give someone your money, then you deserve the chance to ask them about their certifications so that you can make sure that you are not only being safe, but get also getting the most bang for your buck. I love that advice. I love that advice. One of the other things that I love about your story is you really turned your personal experience into a full-fledged career and a totally <laughs> independent one at that. I think that's something that you know, is incredibly aspirational. And a lot of women are trying to figure out how to carve a similar path for themselves. So what are some of the lessons and learnings you've had in building your career that women who are trying to figure out if, you know, the freelance path or the independent path is, is right for them? Yeah. I mean, I certainly didn't become my own boss overnight. I, uh, as I may have mentioned, uh, in college, I went to university of Connecticut where I studied both journalism and political science. I realized real quick that my, uh, path as I thought to be a lawyer, wasn't going to be the right <laughs> path for me. And so I channeled my inner Carrie Bradshaw and started doing a hell of a lot of writing. I interned at fitness magazine before it folded way back in the day. I then went to the Hartford Current and then knew that my uh, my New York dreams were calling me. Started off after college at a company called Cafe Mom. They have a woman's lifestyle blog called The Stir. I was at The Stir for three and a half years. And during that time, I moved into New York and started living these crazy dreams. And from there, I went to my first full-time job as a fitness editor. I have been since my uh, chapter losing weight in college, extremely invested in health and wellness, as you can imagine. And so I just got to a place where I was like, okay, how can I combine my passions literally into a career? But don't get me wrong. Like I was freaked out to just yeah. become a fitness editor because in my mind, I thought this could definitely get boring. Like, how am I going to talk about fitness all of the time? And like, how can I you know, like make this something that feels interesting, but you know, I made a pro con list and the pros outweighed the cons. And I made the leap of faith to being a full-time fitness editor. So I was at a company called Rodale, which used to own a bunch of fitness titles, like women's health, men's health, runner's world and prevention. I left Rodale to then become self magazines, fitness editor. 
uh, where I did all the things that you see in the movies from like go to photo shoots to travel to like try on crazy sneakers and test sneakers. And like, (laughs) it was amazing and fun and, and such an amazing chapter in my life. And then after self things, everything changed. I was at self for about a year, uh, when we found out that the magazine was folding and this was the second time in my career that I had been let go. And in publishing, it's something that is extremely common. And I think across many fields in the past year, it's been something that many of us have had to deal with. And so it was scary because I think at the time I was maybe 26 or 27 and I was not ready to just completely run on my own. Uh, I was scared. I didn't like not knowing where my money was going to come from, but I just did the best that I could with what I had and started to run after every and every opportunity. For me, that looked like contacting everyone I knew in the health and wellness journalism space. Thankfully, having been in the industry, specifically in that niche for a few years, I had a ton of different contacts and just really getting my feet wet, writing for different publications, trying new things, figuring out who I liked working with, who I didn't like working with. And I think that is a really big piece of advice that I want to offer to anyone who is a contractor or a freelancer is that your best work will come when you get to work with people that you enjoy working with. And so oftentimes, especially at the beginning, we become yes humans. We just say yes, because we're looking for the check. We're looking on figuring out how can we get by. But ultimately, as you establish yourself, it's really important to do these gut checks and ask yourself, who is it that I enjoy working with and how can I work with them more? Or how can I recreate this experience? Maybe not with this specific person or brand, but elsewhere with other individuals. And so for me, I started diving into this freelance career about a year into it. I would say I finally committed to stop job hunting. I was going through so many different evolutions of applying for jobs in the journalism world. You take edit tests and those can be extremely time consuming and often more often than not, not paid. And so I finally just came to terms with the idea that I liked being my own boss. I was making better money than I did when I was employed by someone else full-time and I could do this. And so a year in, I committed to being a full-time freelance journalist. And I also was going through a really tough time in my life, uh, personally, a really big breakup. And it was in this uh, aftermath of the breakup when I concepted Hurdle, my podcast. And I was sitting on my couch with a friend talking about my freelance career and where I was going and how I just so badly wanted two things. One, I wanted to own something that was mine. I wanted to stop having to always be submitting work to someone on a deadline. And then secondly, I really just wanted to get over the hurdle of dealing with all this emotion, all this breakup stuff. I wanted to move on. And as soon as the word hurdle came out of my mouth, I swear to God, it was like blinders on, it's go time. This is exactly what you're meant to do. And so, I mean, not to say that I had a full-fledged, like completely every detail ironed out in that moment, but I can say that like, it was the beginning of, of something really great. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I feel like there's so many, again, nuggets there. One, you know, majoring in two different subjects, deciding that you were going to, you know, pivot and, and really listening to your gut, even if you didn't know exactly what your path was going to look like. I feel like so, so important. It's like, 
you know, in college, I feel like we're all so young to declare what we want to do for the rest of our lives. And so I think it's just so important for everyone to feel like they can reinvent themselves and then, you know, continuing to take the steps to grow and learn. But I love actually about what you said too, was even though you were still looking for a full-time job after you were laid off, but you hustled in the meantime, right. And you kind of figured out how to make ends meet. And which I think some people are really scared to do, or they don't know exactly where to start and how to do it. And so they're just relying kind of on like getting the next job, but what an amazing path, you know, that you had that really led you to this incredible platform that you have now. And again, just an authenticity to, to what you're doing. So I think, um, you know, it's obviously also so incredible. I also think to, to, to piggyback on what you just said, I think it's really important for anyone who's looking to turn their quote unquote side hustle into a full-time thing that you really do an inventory about all the things that you're doing right now and put them into three columns. So column A is, this is the stuff I'm doing that I absolutely love. Column B is, this is the stuff I'm doing that I'm fine at and that I'm cool with doing, but maybe it's not in column A. And column C is, this is the stuff I don't like at all. And when I sat there and looked at my three columns and like put the things that I was doing regularly into them, that's literally how I designed this idea that podcasting would be something that I really enjoyed. Because for me, I love storytelling. I love having in-depth conversations. I'm a huge, passionate relationship person. And I want to help people. What I didn't want to do was sit behind my desk and continue to edit and just be only at my computer, not living my life. And I realized that so many of the jobs that I was chasing all had so much of that, what I did not want to do. But I felt as though, because in my industry, the upward trajectory is just to be a different type of editor, that I was just going to have to live a life where that was part of what I did. But in actuality, that's not it at all. You just have to be able to outline for yourself what it is that you're going for and then be bold enough to take the risk to say, you know what? I'm not really cool with column C anymore. I'm ready to focus here and here instead. I feel like that's incredible advice and such a helpful tool that hopefully people will will take to heart. Um, Kind of along the same lines, something that I always want to know more about from people I admire is how you structure your day and weeks. Like what are the tools or the rituals that you incorporate into your routine that result in you being able to accomplish your goals? Oh, for sure. So I'm big on routine, but I will say a caveat before I dive into this. Also, can I tell you when you're a podcast host, you learn everything you're doing wrong, AKA you learn everything <laughs> I'm so excited about this, that you are, you are saying wrong. Like, can I tell you no idea where this came from my entire life? I only recently learned it is caveat and not caveat. Why the hell did I think it was caveat? Why? No idea. Anyway, so I, um, where am I going with this? Rewinding back to, oh, routines. Yeah. Like how you structure your day and your weeks or the, or tools that you use to help you keep organized or just like, you know, what's your like secret sauce, your trick. That's the thing I totally hear you talk talk about like (laughs) learning. It's the thing I'm like most excited to learn about from people because I'm always just like that sucker for, you know, the three things that the most accomplished people do all the time, that type of thing. So, well, girl, my ritual, my routine, my secret sauce is all in my morning. And some people don't want to hear that, but is a hundred percent what works for me. And I will also say where I was going with the word caveat is that 
I am still always trying to like level up on my routine, especially when it comes to my workday. Lately, something that I'm working on is uh, time blocking, which I've never been really good at. I've always been the kind of person that wants to accommodate all of my people. So I'm like, oh, we can do this whenever works for you. But now I'm really trying to set aside specific times to like work on an article verse for GQ and then like work on podcast recordings and like all record from like two to five on Tuesdays and two to five on Thursdays instead of like Monday at 10, Thursday at 8 p.m., Friday at 9 a.m. So it's some, it's an ever work in progress. But what I'm going to say here about routine and mornings is my mornings are my sacred time. The right morning sets me up for success throughout the entire day. And for me, as you can imagine, a huge part of that is uh, regular movement. And so I now, a beautiful gift of uh, the last year and almost a half has been uh, not setting an alarm. I used to be a 5.45 alarm person. Now I will say some days I still wake up at 5.30, but some days I wake up at 6.30 or 7 and I just kind of handle it from there and I, I go about my morning. And so I'll wake up, I'll uh, use the bathroom. I'll go put a Nespresso pod in. I'll walk back to my bedroom. I'll make my bed. I will journal. I write one page a day. And at the end of every page, I finish things off with a highlight and a gratitude. Then after that, I'll go back and get the Nespresso. I'll grab a sports bra from the kitchen closet because that's where the dresser is that my sports bras are in. (laughs) Then I'll go back to my bedroom. I'll start drinking the Nespresso. I'll turn on um, Up First from NPR. And then I will get dressed, get organized, drink the Nespresso, kind of like fidget with whatever I have to get done. After a first place plays, then I listen to Radio Headspace. Um, I pick out which sneakers I'm going to wear. Fun fact, I have like about 66 pairs in my apartment now. Oh my gosh. Um, All of these are like, 90% 90% of them are fitness sneakers. I'm always so, I like, I love seeing your shoes. I'm so envious of all of them. Like, oh, I want those. I want those. I want those. <laughs> anyway, I've got a lot of fitness sneakers because I try a lot of fitness sneakers for the writing that I still do everywhere from GQ to men's health. And so I, well, then as we alluded to at the top of this episode, come and film what I have ultimately coined to be the lace up. And the lace up is literally a 15 second snag of me tying my shoes. And it's bigger than just me putting my shoes on because really the lace up is what sets the attention for the day. There are so many days that the last thing I want to do is either move or be even more important. I think show up for other people or sometimes show up for myself. And for me, selfishly, the lace up is really me looking myself in the eye and saying to myself, like, I can do this today. And, you know, maybe the movement that I have on deck, maybe it won't go as planned, but maybe it'll be great. And regardless, the most important part is check done finished. I showed up, I sat down, I put these sneakers on and I'm ready to, to take care of whatever will come. And so, uh, then a workout, after the workout, whether that's a run or some sort of digital fitness class or what have you, um, if I haven't left the apartment for this effort, I will then make sure to at least take a walk around the block to like get some air, no matter the condition. Uh, and then come back up, shower, shake up some athletic greens, organize my day and get the coffee going and get to my desk and that's it. So, you know, there are a lot of different wellness practices that you can incorporate into your day. For me, practices like meditation and breath work often happen uh, during my morning movement. So kind of taking that time to center and ask myself, what is it that I need? How can I better show up for myself today? And really taking some inventory that happens during my movement practice. But 
other than that, again, just setting that foundation and giving myself that me time so that not only can I show up for myself, but then I can be a better version of myself for the other people, whether they're clients, colleagues, you know, people in my personal life or, you know, whatever the case may be. Preach girl. I mean, I am such a morning routine person too. And I feel like I, I mean, I very similar to you. I have not set an alarm for the past year and I have, you know, woken up a little bit later than I normally do, but still have that, you know, just excitement for the day. Um, but I feel like what's so impressive about what you just outlined is the specificity around every step of your morning. And it's obviously it's, it's so intentional. It is how, you know, that you're going to show up you know, the best way you can. And obviously, you know, life is life and things don't always go as planned. But I feel like what's important for people to take away from that is, is just trying to be as specific as possible with your time and how you're spending it, especially as you kick off your day, um, because it does, it, it sets the tone. Um, so I love all of that. And I feel like actually, I'm just like making a mental note that I'm going to, I want to outline that and like share it on, on our social and whatnot (laughs) as we continue, just because I think, you know, sometimes people don't know exactly what that should look like or what it could look like. And so anyways, that was amazing. I'm, I'm super inspired. And I think it's also really important to, again, reiterate that like, we're all different and there's going to be for sure. Like if you're trying to get into a morning routine groove, there's certainly going to be a trial and error period. Like there I have gone through phases of like meditating and not meditating. I've gone through like one line of day journals versus like full page writing. I have gone through like 18,000 different podcasts that I feel like are the right way to start my day. Like I've gone through it all. So uh, just because like this is what works for me now doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to be what works for me in a year from now. But what's important is that I truly feel that the practices that I engage in in a daily on the daily, you know, they're giving back to me. They're giving me what I need and that having some grace with the fact that, you know, they might change and that's, that's totally fine. Well, and I feel like that speaks to, you know, your, your point of leveling up a little bit ago. It's like, yeah, you're just because you're doing something now, or you did something a year ago, it's like constantly trying to push yourself and, um, incorporate newness so that you're, you know, you're, again, you're just growing. Right. I think that like, I think forward motion and growth is what fulfills us the most. And so it's like not getting stuck doing the same thing over and over. Um, totally. Awesome. Okay. Shifting gears a little bit. One of the things I love most about your presence on social media is your vulnerability. You really aren't afraid to share what you're feeling, whether it's body-related insecurities to your quest in finding love. You're just so genuine and authentic and bold, which is why I'm drawn to you. But social media is such a complicated thing in our lives these days. Um, So will you share your relationship with social media and the interaction you have with your followers, like what your approach is? to using it to your advantage in a healthy way and not letting it like suck you down the insecurity or comparison rabbit hole. And, you know, even not wasting time where you could otherwise be like living in the real world. Yeah. So living in the real world is like my main priority. Number one, all the time. Uh, I think it's always really interesting, uh, when I meet someone that may have an idea of who I am, 
based on social or what they see there. Um, it might seem like I'm on it often, but that oftenness is very strategic um, and like well-placed and that I have made it a point for me to like check in in the morning. So then I can like kind of go about my day. And if I pick up my phone to open Instagram, it's with intention because there's something in that moment that I'm going to share. But other than that, I've also put really strict parameters for me, uh, for myself on when I'm going to respond to messages and DMs. So that period in the morning when I am making coffee and shaking up athletic greens and like getting my life together, that's one point when I will like open the DMs. And this is not to say that I do not have a ton to catch up on because I certainly do. And then at the end of the workday or like in a block of time in the afternoon, when I feel like I'm not being productive, I'm not doing anything. Like I literally have a list of things next to my desk that I can do that are productive when I feel unproductive that don't need a lot of my mental energy. Not to say that my followers don't require my mental energy, (laughs) but it's very different to respond to a question about sneakers than it is for me to like sit down and like interpret a new study to write an article about it. So in terms of social, I try to be very intentional about when I lean into it. Uh, In terms of authenticity, again, like it really just brings me back to my core values and what I'm about. And I don't share things or everything there, but I do share a lot of the things that like, I wish that someone would tell me sometimes. And, you know, like, I think that so often we're so worried about the highlight reel and we're so concerned about, you know, feeling as though we're not enough or we're not good enough, or am I the only one that feels this way? And when I'm transparent and when I'm open about everything from like the weight struggles that I still have sometimes to, you know, feeling alone or dealing with loneliness, especially in a pandemic, every single time I put myself out there, I am met with so much beauty and grace from my community. And so that is what guides me. That is what, you know, along with my foundations and values and morals, I can come back to knowing that what I am sharing at times might feel a little uncomfortable, but it's true to who I am and it's helping somebody else. So that's super, super important to me. And then like, I do think there are boundaries and some of them I've had to really be super sensitive about and super mindful about as, you know, more and more people follow me over there. I'm very, very respectful to anyone I'm ever with. I am not the kind of person that's going to be out shopping with a girlfriend and, and pull out my phone and like put her on the spot without either A, asking her, but B, like, I never really would even do that because that's not you know, what I'm there to share all the time. Um, I definitely get messages from, from people that are like, are you just always alone? And like, not, don't get me wrong. I'm alone (laughs) a lot, (laughs) but there are a lot of moments that I just don't bring to the feed because I respect people's privacy. And I mean, this can even carry over, of course, to like my personal life. Like not saying that I've had any outstanding relationships over the last, (laughs) you know, 13, 14 months, but there are going to be people that I'm spending time with that I'm just not going to bring to the feed. It's kind of in the same you know, way that I'm not going to bring them to, you know, meet my parents or even talk about them with my parents until I'm ready. Because I think it's twofold. I think it's a self-defense mechanism. It's like, I don't want to bring you this person. And then you're going to like get attached to them because I'm already obviously feeling attached to them. And then I think the other part is just, again, like respecting their privacy and like not wanting to like push someone outside of their comfort zone. Like we're not there yet. So it's definitely an interesting, uh, you know, 
web to weave and an interesting like balance to find. But for me, I feel really confident in, in what I'm doing there. And I think the biggest piece of advice I could give to anyone, whether you, you know, want to grow a following or not is just to be your authentic self there. And don't try to, to do something or, or be someone because you see that someone else is doing something or, or being a certain way. Like the most valuable thing that you can do for yourself is just be authentic to who it is that you are and show up you know, as you and, you know, the people that come around to stay, those are the people that you're going to want as a part of your community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really are just such a beautiful example of that. I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people who haven't figured out really their voice and their place and connecting with people, you know, beyond who they know in life. And, um, and I do think we're all drawn to, those that are willing to be real, right. And feel like, oh yeah, this would be the type of conversation that I'm having with my girlfriend or, you know, someone that genuinely, you know, wants to connect on, on a, on a real level. So, um, no, I give you, you know, so much props and and kudos for how you, you show up because it's so inspiring. And again, like, you know, you create such a, an amazing connection. And I guess kind of to that point and, and your, you know, uh, mention of just the pandemic, I, it feels like we're slowly coming out of what seemingly feels like a never ending fog. Um, and there might just be, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, but that doesn't change the fact that 2020 was really such a pivotal year for all of us. Obviously there's no denying its impact, but you know, what was it like living in New York throughout it? And, and what are some ways that it's changed you? It's been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been interesting to see what, uh, I guess as a member of the media, what, you know, what was put out there about being in New York during this time and, and how I actually felt about being in New York during this time. I cannot imagine being anywhere else. And that's not to say that I don't value like space and whatnot, <laughs> but being here for the last year was a game changer for me personally and professionally. I, look out my window and there's still like people walking around and everyone just happens to have masks on now. And, you know, I'm definitely in the place in my life where like, I want to be living in a major city and I wasn't going to move to start over somewhere else just because everybody else was moving. So on that note, however, it has certainly been challenging as a lot of my, you know, support network and, and good friends have left the city in the last 13, 14 months. With that said though, I really do feel so grateful and appreciative of my relationships now more than ever. I do have, you know, a couple of friends still in New York, but many of them have left. And so because of that, I've had to focus greatly on those silver linings and and maintaining these relationships and understanding that just because we can't be physically together doesn't mean that we don't have um, a really special and unique uh, relationship. So it's interesting. I mean, I'm looking to move right now. Um, I've been in my area of Manhattan for about 10 years and oh, wow. I'm looking to finally pull the trigger and go over to Brooklyn. So I'm excited exciting. about this more than anything. I'm so ready, but it's interesting because I was talking to a girlfriend the other day who, who did this as well last year. And she said, the thing about Brooklyn is you want to live near a certain subway line that you know, you're going to take, and you want to live near your people. And I said to her, I was like, to be honest, I really don't have like mm. a lot of people that I'm concerned about being near anymore. And that is like both freeing and a little frightening. So mm. I'm ready for more space. I'm ready for new appliances. I'm ready for light in my living room. And I'm ready for like any sort of ounce of outdoor space. I'm manifesting yeah. this two bedroom so hard. <laughs> 
Well, I'm very excited to follow along with that journey. (laughs) I know it'll be awesome. Yeah, I actually really loved, you know, watching some of the things that you posted because I did, I do think to your point, like it was interesting to see from your point of view. I felt like there was just so much energy. I mean, New York, New York, right? I mean, just energy and spirit and livelihood. I really felt that way every time you posted, whether it was like, you know, cheering on our healthcare workers or being out and about. And, and again, I think that, you know, that's the beauty of being connected in the way that we are now is there's, there is that reality that we get to see of our own lives, not just, you know, from, from the viewpoint of the media. So, so awesome. Just because we are at the beginning of 2021, I'm curious, do you set New Year's resolutions or do you choose like a word for your year? How do you think about that? Haven't chosen a year for a word for my year, but I do keep lately. I really do keep coming back to the word becoming. Mm. Uh, I like, I'm sure you and many other entrepreneurs, women in business, uh, podcast, I mean, any occupation, like have definitely at times fallen victim to, you know, the comparison trap. And I just keep reminding myself that I am continually in this act of becoming, and I am worlds away from where I started doing something that maybe I didn't even dream of, but now I'm in this place and I'm dreaming of so much more and to have some grace with myself and understand that like becoming is a process and it certainly doesn't happen overnight, but you know, again, like I remember when I wanted everything I had now have now. And so that's really special. Um, I'm big on goal setting. I'm big on thinking about intentions. Uh, you know, again, that manifestation of like the two bedroom apartment with copious amounts of light is like really on my vision board for this year. And so is, um, you know, a lot of other stuff some fitness related goals. I mean, I've come such a long way in my running from that half mile every day. Now I'm a, you know, sub three twenty five marathoner. And that's really exciting for me. So I'd love to be able to say that I'm a sub three fifteen marathoner. Um, who knows if that'll happen in a proper race this year, but TBD. And then personally, like, again, I'm so good with who I am. I'm so excited about how far I've come over the last 13, 14 months. It's been like, groundbreaking for me. I feel so comfortable on my own, but I'm certainly like ready to share my life with someone else. So certainly not, um, rushing that by any means. I don't think I'm ready to get married anytime soon, but I do think that I'm ready to, to kind of take that leap for myself and try to put myself out there a little bit more and and make it a priority because I'll be damn honest that in building hurdle and focusing on my community to certain some, it's certainly something that's been on the back burner for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to ask you um, about dating a little bit, just because I'm sure there's so many single women listening and, you know, myself, I've been in a relationship for 15 years and married for nine. So it's like, aside from knowing the apps exist and the whole landscape that exists, I, I'm like <laughs> clueless as to, you know, how it's all working, but it's interesting because you know, to me, it's like, you are such an amazing catch. And I have so many single girlfriends that I feel the same way about. And it's, you know, it's just such an interesting landscape that we're, you know, that we're existing in right now. And so I'm just curious, like, do you have any tips or like things to think about for women who are single and and trying to figure out how to find, you know, their person and, you know, just anything that's like resonated with you through, through the experience? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that 
I try to consciously do is I know that it's really easy, especially these days for us to like be homebound and not leave it. I try to at least, this might sound ridiculous, but like put myself in public consciously two to three times in the week. Not like thinking to myself like, oh my God, I'm going to go out and look for men. But if I'm just sitting here at home and I know that I don't love using dating apps and I'm never going to meet someone. So, and I mean, obviously I have an understanding that like maybe someone could fall into my DMs, but other than that, like I'm not like sitting here twiddling in my thumbs, like thinking that's going to happen. So I really do consciously like try to get out. And like, even if it's just to walk around for a few hours in a way that like I feel safe and comfortable with and, and be more open to just like saying things to people in a safe and non-creepy way. So like I'll be out at like an intersection near my house and a guy ran up to me the other day and he was wearing these new Nikes that literally just came out the day before. And I said to him, like, do you like those? I was looking at them online and we had a whole conversation and it was fine and safe. And like for so many years, despite being like a pretty extroverted person, I would be like scared to chime up a conversation like that for absolutely no reason. I literally like talk to people all day for my occupation, but like coming out and like just asking someone a question like that, a man on the street was like, so off-putting to me. So I'm just trying to get more comfortable putting myself out there and understanding that like that whole process, like men and women, it's like super intimidating. So like do the best you can with what you have. And it's just kind of like what you said at the top of this podcast, right? It's like, it's like, I could ask you and you could have said yes, or you could have said no. And like, that's the exact same thing that's going to happen. And a lot of the times it's not personal and you're just going to have to put yourself out there and like move on. Although I will say, I mentioned the apps. I really am trying to give them a fighting chance right now. (laughs) It is hard but I am trying. I'm giving them more time than I ever have. Um, but it's not, it's not much. So I have heard. So I have heard, but yeah, no, I was, um, when you were saying that I was actually remembering like you do, you post often that you're like at a cafe in the morning working on writing or like you go out to dinner on your own, which I feel Mm -hmm. like that's a probably a hard thing for a lot of people to consider. And I'm sure it even probably took you a little bit to be comfortable, but it is such a great way to one, you know, get to know yourself probably a little bit more. Right. And like feel comfortable even more in your, in your own skin, but then also, yeah, you know, the ability to actually connect with people. So I I love that. I also think it's really important because you need to be okay dating yourself before you can be okay dating someone else. And for me, literally making dates with myself, like making a date to go out to dinner, even if it's like me wearing a freaking parka in New York right now, or it's like a date, like with myself to go to a museum last weekend or a date to go on a run, like schedule in things for yourself that you look forward to doing and understand that like, you don't need someone else to validate your worth to like do something that you want to do. Like if there's something you want to do, get comfortable with going to do it on your own, because if you're not comfortable doing it on your own, then you're not going to be ready to bring a partner into the mix and confidently do it with them either. So get used to the fact that like you have to start with you before you can really show up for a partner and like be in a good space to have like a full-fledged like life committed relationship. Truly. I mean, that's such, such wise words. Um, And I feel like even for married women or, or people who are in a relationship, like that's also so important that you continue to go back to your center and who you are and, you know, allow yourself time and experiences to, you know, to, to celebrate and enjoy the things that you, that you love. It actually reminds me another 
person who I love following is Sarah Blakely, because similar to yourself, like she's very authentic in the way that she presents herself. And it's never really, you know, I'm this amazing entrepreneur and inventor. I, you know, I'm just like everyone else trying to kind of like juggle life. And she was just talking about for her 50th birthday or 40th, 40th, no 50th. She asked her, her husband asked what, what she wanted. And she was like, I want seven days alone. And so she literally just went on a solo vacation for seven days. And it's like, that's such a good reminder for, for everyone, no matter what stage you're in that, you know, coming back to your, to yourself and your center is so, so important. Okay. Really quickly. Let's talk about what are your like latest obsessions? Do you have anything that you're, you know, new must haves or things that you're loving? My God, I've mentioned athletic greens at least twice. I can't imagine my life without it. I'm obsessed with it. It's a greens powder. Get in on it. Athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Also, I live by my whoop strap. I'm obsessed with wearing the whoop strap. I like sleep better because of it. I recover better because of it. And it definitely took me a while to get on the train. But now that I'm on the train, I can't see myself ever getting off. In terms of sneakers, again, I mentioned I have a ton of them. Adidas just came out with a new version of their uh, Ultra Boost, the Ultra Boost 21. It's beautiful colors. It's like crisp white with like hints of neon. I think it looks great. It runs great. And you have a neutral gait and gait is how your foot um, cycles with the ground as you run. So if you have a neutral gait, this is a great shoe for you. I use it a lot for base running and long runs. And then, I mean, other than that, I get suckered into the Lululemon website every Wednesday when they um, update it. I literally just bought a jacket before this. I love it. And then... I, I mean, I am, you know, always trying to recover smarter. Again, I am a super active person, but you can't be a super active person if you're not willing to invest in your recovery. And so for me, um, that's everything from using a hypervolt or uh, my power dot, which is electrical simulation that can be done in a super safe way because there's a great app that goes hand in hand with that to like bath salts. I use like, um, Mr. Teal's and then, I mean, just all the little things that just help me feel my best. Oh, I'm super, super addicted right now to this heating belt that just like connects to a Bluetooth app and it's called Relief Heat. I love it. I can't stop using it. Um, and lastly, blue light glasses. I'm not wearing them right now, but I have been like an addictive blue light glasses fiend because I really do feel like they make a difference for me. Oh, uh, good to know. I've actually been considering that. I, I got, knew you, I got I knew some you have like so many good little nuggets right there. So hopefully, hopefully people will check those out. And then what about what's, what's new with you? I assume you're continuing hurdle. Like, do you have any fun new projects on the horizon? Well, I assume by the time this comes out, hurdle season five is going to be in the mix. Uh, I'm really excited, uh, putting a strong focus on talking to some, uh, black creators throughout the rest of February. Um, and then a lot more amazing guests that, that inspire me and motivate me to be better. Um, I hate a spoiler alert, but like big names, like Alex L who like, literally I have worshiped her over the last like three years. So getting her to talk to the pot for the pod was amazing. Um, Tunde from Peloton. I literally just had a conversation with Joe Holder, a Nike master trainer, founder of the Ocho system and like just so much more goodness on deck. So I'm really excited about that. And then outside of, um, the show recording, uh, really passionate about the hurdle sessions, which were a labor of love that started over the pandemic. And basically it's just digital seminars on a wide variety of different topics that help, um, you know, the hurdlers, as I love to call them, like become better, more, more motivated versions of themselves. So whether we're talking about 
um, how to find your power alone or um, chatting about freelance writing or, you know, how to handle your hurdle moments and showing up to challenge with a positive attitude, goal setting, like all of these things are in the wheelhouse and they all really excite me. And I love being able to connect with this community in, in such a real special way. And then the last thing that really amps me up really is uh, the book club that we started recently uh, and the newsletter as well. So for details on like everything I just mentioned, Google the weekly hurdle to stay in the loop. That's our newsletter over on Substack. And there you'll get, uh, you know, blog posts from me, gear picks, highlights, links that I think are dope. I'm sure I'll throw this episode into the mix there. So subscribe over there to, to keep up with me and, and stay in the loop for sure. Amazing. Amazing. I can't wait for all of that. So we are ending all of our interviews with like a rapid fire segment. I'm ready. So first thing that comes to mind, shout out a girlfriend that you got through or that got you through a hard time. My college best friend, Christina Bortz. Hmm. Shout out a female coworker or boss that propelled your career forward. I will say Liz Plosser, who is the editor-in-chief now of Women's Health. Favorite song to sing in the shower? Oh my God, I never sing. I'm a sucker for like John Mayer's acoustic album. All right. Yeah. Go-to healthy habit when you're stressed? Healthy habit, running. Favorite self-care indulgence? Uh, probably also running, but I do love a good bubble bath. Chocolate or rosé? Oh, hard. <laughs> um, both. <laughs> How do you take your coffee? With a splash of almond milk. First concert you attended? Great question. Vanessa Carlton out of Six Flags. My mom surprised me for my birthday when oh, I was amazing. like young. <laughs> um, most used emoji? The upside down smiley face. Are you currently reading anything? I am reading Bravey by Alexi Pappas for the Hurdle Book Club. Freedom or hope? Hope. And then a piece of advice you wish you could tell your 20-year-old self. You are not alone in how you feel. Keep your chin up. Keep going forward and keep hurdling. Mm. Love it and love you. Thank you so much, Em. I'm um, so happy to be here. You made my first host experience a total dream. You did so well. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> if you enjoyed this conversation, please do us a favor and rate and review Girlfriends in Business on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to podcasts. For a daily dose of inspiration and genuine connection, you can keep up with Emily on Instagram like I do. Her handle is at Emily Abati, E-M-I-L-Y-A-B-B-A-T-E. And be sure to check out her podcast, Hurdle. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories. And in the meantime, remember, every day we're given is a gift. So let your light shine bright. Squeeze y'all soon. Thanks, Em. Bye.